Welcome to an instant recap podcast from the Land Grant Podcast Network following Ohio State's 63-10 victory over the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. My name is Matt Tamanini and I am joined by someone we're pulling out of podcast retirement, Gene Ross, joining us from inside a secluded bunker somewhere. Where, where the hell are you, Gene? That, that is correct. My location will be uh, remain disclosed, but uh, I'm somewhere in somewhere hiding in central New Jersey, uh, just coming off a, a nice Buckeyes victory. You picked a good week to have me on, Matt. There's not a ton to be, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not the most optimistic Ohio State fan in the world, but there was not a lot to be negative yeah. about this week. Yeah, we, we know people uh, don't like it when you and I say bad things about the Ohio State team or its coaching staff. But nonetheless, we are here and there's really not a lot negative to talk about in this game. As I said, Ohio State beat WKU 63 to 10. They did not give up a single point in the second half. In total, the Buckeyes put up 562 yards, 358 through the air, 204 on the ground. They only allowed Western Kentucky 284 yards, 204 of them through the air, which is, as we've been talking about all week, Gene, significantly under their average. The Western Kentucky offense is one of the most prolific passing attacks in all of college football. So to be able to see the Ohio State defense kind of look a little shaky at the beginning of the game, but then eventually shore things up has to be a good sign for this team heading into South Bend next weekend. Yeah, and this was this was an exciting matchup for Ohio State because unlike the first two teams they played, you know, Indiana coming out trying to run a triple option and then, you know, Youngstown State just kind of running an offense as an FCS team. This was the first real team that had a chance to air. They're going to try to do that. Like you said, this is a very prolific Western Kentucky passing attack, a team that's led the nation in passing each of the last two seasons. Uh, I went and looked after the game because I was curious, you know, Austin Reed finishing with 207 yards passing. This is only the second time in his career now through 17 starts that he has thrown for under 250 yards in a football game. So this is a very impressive outing by Ohio State's defensive backs. I thought across the board, you know, I would have been happy going into this game. You know, if Ohio State had let up 17, 24, I expected Western Kentucky to put up some points because this, you know, this Ohio State defensive backfield hasn't really been tested quite yet, but they they stepped up to the challenge. You know, we're going to talk about some guys here, I'm sure, in a bit, but Denzel Berg looked fantastic. Davison Igbenosin looked good. Jordan Hancock in the slot. A lot of guys making plays in the backfield, and I was really excited to see how this team played. You know, there's still not much of, you know, we'll get to it in a little bit, but there wasn't a ton of sacks in this game. It's still not a ton from Ohio State's defensive line, but I thought they too played better than they have in recent weeks. But I just thought, you know, at all three levels, this Ohio State defense played way better than I thought they were going to against an offense that can put points up on the board, even against teams like Ohio State. We've talked a lot in the past couple of weeks since the start of the season about the lack of a pass rush for this Ohio State defensive line. We saw a couple of times where Jim Knowles sent a bunch of extra pressure, brought some linebackers, brought some, some defensive backs, and it ended up costing them uh, some big plays, even on third down. Do you think this team needs to have that kind of pass rush to to be where they want to be or are they able to just kind of rely on a really sturdy linebacker and secondary unit to kind of just do the things i mean have the defensive line go ahead and try uh to get pressure just by the the four down linemen um or do they have to figure out ways to kind of increase that which hasn't really been a thing for ohio state since 2019 yeah, and obviously, you know, there's been a lot of questions about Larry Johnson's group here over the past few years. There hasn't been much of a pass rush really since Chase Young left a few years ago, uh, even despite having all these five-star talents across the line. I did think today they did a much better job of at least pressuring Austin Reed and, you know, whoever else came in and the backup there. Um, 
they 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 looked decent. I mean, they didn't. The, the counting stats aren't going to show up, but they, I'm I'm sure if I look here, they'll have some some QB hurries, some hits. They definitely impacted some plays. I thought there was a handful of times where there was you know some clear and obvious holdings that maybe uh, Western Kentucky got away with. Not going to you know give excuses here for Ohio State's lack of a pass rush. I do think it will need to be you know a little bit better over the course of the year, especially as you play better offenses. But for a team like Western Kentucky that does get the ball out quick, that does throw the ball a lot, I thought that the defensive line looked pretty good you know it's it's hard in a game like this where you know the, the hilltoppers did mix in a couple runs so you don't want to just put in all pull your all your eggs in the pass rush basket and then let them just gouge you up the middle on, on run plays but I, I thought they played solid you know we're still really waiting on JT Tweemaloa and Jack Sawyer to have that that big sack impact but I think you know especially JTT in this game I thought he played well and he made a couple impacts even though he didn't quite get to the quarterback you know we saw late in the game Mitchell Melton pick up a sack it was good to see him get some action maybe we'll see more of him moving forward I know there's still been some infighting on you know between Knowles and Larry Johnson about the jack position and I know that's a position that guys like Mitchell Melton and CJ Hicks were you know supposed to play this year we haven't really seen much of but maybe we'll see more of that maybe they're saving that for some of the better teams maybe we see it a little bit against Notre Dame but overall um not not you know not an elite pass rush by any means but I thought this was definitely a step in the right direction from what we've seen over the past two weeks the thing that impressed me the most about the defense today was obviously the secondary I think played incredibly well but as a whole unit, the Buckeyes held Western Kentucky to just three conversion on 16 third down attempts. That had been a bugaboo for the Ohio State team on both sides of the ball. They were five of 10 on offense uh, and then throw in two for two on fourth downs. But they were they, they held Western Kentucky to three for 16 on third down. If you would have asked me, I would have thought it probably would have been worse than it had been during the previous two games because this is by far the best offense that Ohio State has played so far this year. If if I'm going to pull out my calculator here because we're doing this live on the fly, three divided by 16, that's like under 19%. Now, obviously, it was just one game, so I'm not saying that that's going to be something that they're able to maintain throughout the entire season. But to hold the team to, to 18.75%, there's only one – team in the entire country who's been worse than that on offense all time all, all season as Sam Houston State so like that's probably a bigger thing to me than worrying about pass rush is how they did on third down conversions and I think the defensive line actually played a pretty big part of that they were able to get some not necessarily pressure but at least hurries and I think they did a pretty good job of shutting down the whatever inside run game that the Hilltoppers tried to attempt throughout the game yeah for sure and you know this is uh, you know, especially, you know, when it comes to the linebacker play, you know, Eichenberg and Steel Chambers were once again excellent. I thought Steel Chambers really specifically popped in this game. We've seen, you know, we've seen over his time at linebacker, his ability to kind of move sideline to sideline and make those really nice open field tackles. And he was really good at that again today. He came away with one of the two picks for Ohio State in this game. You know, four total takeaways for Ohio State here, two picks, two f uh, fumble recoveries, uh, three forced fumbles. There's a third that they could have had. They could have even had five takeaways. So, you know, a lot of people waiting for Ohio State to force some turnovers. They did in this game. Um, but just sort of going back to something you were saying before, like, do they really need to, you know, change things up with pass rush? Do they need to send, you know, more blitzes? I think this team is at its best when they're only rushing four. You know, we saw a play in this game where they rushed three and they even got a pretty good pressure. But I think just having you have so many playmakers in the secondary of this defense and in the middle of the field that letting those guys just kind of play in coverage and you don't you don't want to put them on island out there. So you do have to get a little bit of a pass rush. But I, I think that when Ohio State has blitzed the season, it hasn't exactly gotten home and you're leaving yourself, you know, kind of open elsewhere. So I, I think Ohio State rushing four is the best scenario. Maybe, you know, you mix some guys up there in the front four if guys aren't getting home as you get later and later in the year. Obviously, there's not a ton of time to test things out with Notre Dame coming up next week. But 
Um, I think just, you know, the standard downs defense was was better off than the blitzes, even though they did get home on some blitzes late in the game. Yeah, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time looking forward because this is a, a recap pod. But if we are going to see Ohio State attempt to do some sort of uh, of blitzes, what I really hope that they decide to do is not to bring it up the middle because we saw some linebackers coming up the middle and it left that middle of the field completely open. And uh, that's when they were able to, to make some of those third down conversions. I'm totally fine with, with Knowles mixing in some pressure, maybe not as much as he wants to, but bring some guys from the edge, bring some, some corner corner blitzes, some safety blitzes. I think that might be the, the kind of the happy medium between what we are currently seeing and what Knowles would prefer to do that hasn't yet been working. But I can't believe we've gotten this far into this gene and we haven't talked about the offense. There has been a lot of conversation about whether Kyle McCord is the guy for Ohio State, whether or not that high school five-star rating coming in was completely warranted or if he was just kind of a placeholder for the next great Buckeye. I'm not ready to put him up there on you know the same pedestal as Dwayne Haskins and C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields. But he looked just like a different guy today to me. He looked more confident. He looked more in control. Obviously, he had an opportunity to kind of go off the rails when he had that strip sack fumble. And he didn't. He responded by putting up 35 points, not just him, obviously, in the second quarter. And he looked great. I mean, he was 19 of 23 for 318 yards passing and three touchdowns. Quarterback rating there of 241.8 with an 83% uh, pass completion percentage. He looked like a guy who could lead Ohio State to a college football playoff. Now, I'm not saying he is the guy who is going to take them there on his back. He is not as good as of now, of course, uh, as C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields. But he's a guy who can do what Stetson Bennett did. And I do think that Stetson Bennett was better than I think a lot of people gave him credit for. For Georgia over the last two years, obviously he won two national titles. But he doesn't have to be an all-time great to get this team where they want to get. They've got all-time great weapons. And if this defense continues to look as good as they did today, which again, judging for competition, notwithstanding, but if they can make the progress that we think they are currently making on the defensive side of the ball, like Kyle McCord doesn't have to be a top five draft pick in the NFL. He can be a solid, steady, really good quarterback. And I think that's enough for Ohio State to beat Notre Dame. I think it's enough to beat Penn State, to beat Michigan. And who knows, knock on my dad's, because I'm in my dad's office uh, at my parents' house, fake wood desk here. But like, I think they could still compete for a national title. I'm not saying I'm putting them there now, but he showed me enough today, Gene, that said, okay, he's got something figured out. And I think there's potential there, maybe more so than we anticipated a week or so ago. Oh, and that's that's what happens when you're on a live show here. Gene, are you still there? Uh, I, I'm there we right. go. I was, we got I was I got trapped backstage by the by the ghosts of uh <laughs> of Streamyard, but nonetheless, yeah, no, 100. This was a fantastic performance for him, and I don't want to, you know, we spent a lot of the first two weeks overreacting potentially on some things on offense. I don't want to overreact too far and maybe the other direction here, because you know this Western that's Kentucky fair. defense is decent, but not not the best. But I do think that Comic Accord just looked like a guy who is you know comfortable being the starting quarterback now. He's not fighting for a job out there anymore. He's been named QB one and he looked really confident out there. He made some really nice throws. Obviously there was, you know, a couple of misses. I mean, he only threw four incomplete passes, but that, that first one, that third down pass that flew over, I think it was Fleming's head early on. 
sticks in my mind. But other than that, he was really solid with the football. Not too many throws that he made that were really interceptable at all. Just some really nice both play design and passes by McCord. We saw some deep shots that we haven't seen really through the first couple weeks. And I thought all of it was really good. You know, he dispersed the ball pretty well. You had, you know, Marv, five catches, 126 and a touchdown. Ibuka, four catches, 57, two scores. Five for ni- five for ninety for Cade. You know they they moved the ball around the field pretty well. He wasn't just targeting one guy, and I thought overall it was a really really strong performance from him. A really good way to you know get his confidence up going into a big game on the road here. Um, and now you know another week here of of full you know first team reps for Colin McCord will definitely do him good. I think that that probably helped him a lot going into this week, and that's why we probably saw him look a lot more comfortable out there. But you know not not super hard to throw passes to some of these wide receivers but i thought that you know mccord did a really good job out there and like you said he's not quite the you know the cj stroud justin fields level just yet but this was definitely a good step in the right direction for him I felt like throughout the course of the game, we started to see a little bit more of an understanding as to what he does well in terms of the play calling. And I I mean, I think they've always known, but I think through the first two games, they kind of had to split the playbook because his playbook was probably not going to be the exact same as Devin Brown's playbook. And they were still kind of building off the the foundation and the fundamentals of the C.J. Stroud playbook. I think throughout the course of the game, you started to see them use those quicker passes, the short passes, both in the flats and over the middle to kind of open things up down the field where Stroud and Fields, dude, they wanted to throw the ball deep every single play if they could. And I don't think that that's going to be Kyle McCord's strong suit, but if you can get the ball out quickly, get it to your playmakers early, give him the opportunity to not have to look down the barrel of a, of a blitzer, that will then open things up down the field where we saw him be able to take some shots further down the field as the defense started to play a little bit closer to the line because he was getting it out to Emeka and Marv on these these wide receiver crosses or getting it out into the flat to, to Cade or whatever. So I think that might be what the next evolution of this offense is under Kyle McCord. Get rid of it quickly. That opens things up downfield. And then, of course, that also will get to the running game here. But the running game looked as about effective as it has, I mean, in two years. I mean, is that fair to say? Like, it looked better today than it did. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was a game where it looked really good last year. It's just not coming to mind. But, like, it just looked more efficient today than it has in recent memory. Yeah, for sure. I think that goes a long way in helping to, you know, establish more of those passes. You don't have these guys sitting back waiting for the deep ball when they have to play up a little closer to the line when you're running the ball so effectively. You know, these last two weeks here, really, Travion Henderson has looked every bit like, you know, the, the fully healthy guy we were told he was coming into the season. He's got an extra burst that he just didn't have last year. But but stop with the hurdles, Trey. Like, I know yeah. you're healthy. I know you're athletic, but that scares the hell out of me. We don't need to see after everything we went through last year him jumping over a guy and getting taken down and breaking his leg. Like we just stick to the ground. I know you're awesome, but please, for my sake and my heart rate, please don't do that. Yeah. It's, it's obviously an exciting play. And maybe if it's like, you know, you have one man to beat and he's diving at you go for it. But if you have, you know, three more guys coming and you're only picking up an extra two or three yards by doing it, maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe take the safe route, just go out of bounds, whatever it is. But yeah, nonetheless here, 13 carries for 88 yards for him, two scores, um, 6.8 yards per carry average. That'll certainly do. Um, you know, chip train him right behind him, five carries, 56 yards in a tutty, 11 points yards per carry overall, you know, even including some of the, you know, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord runs 6.2 yards per carry for Ohio State as a team on 33 carries, 204 awesome. yards total. Yeah, you'll, you'll take that all day. And when you have, you know, a full 
gambit of guys back there that can get the ball. I feel kind of bad for Mayan Williams because I feel like he's kind of fallen out of favor with the, you know, the coming on of chip training. But with all three of those guys in the mix, you mix in a little Xavier Johnson, even a little Evan Pryor that got some touch in this game. Um, it's it's hard for teams to kind of, you know, keep up with that. You're keeping these guys really fresh while rotating them out. I think Ohio State's going to continue to do that most of the year. I think you will see Trey get the, the bulk of the carries, but I don't think it'll be by much. I don't think he's going to have you know, a 20, 25 carry day when the guys behind him have like five or six. I think it's going to be pretty split. I think they like doing this. I think they like the way that it's keeping these guys fresh. And I also think that the offensive line deserves some credit here too. I thought they were, you know, much better. They they kept Common Cord clean for most of the afternoon. There were some really nice lanes in the running game for these guys to run through. And I think overall as an offense, this team, you know, looked really complete for the first time this season. Yeah, I... I, I I'm not smart enough like football's X's and O's guy to like be able to watch an offensive line and be like, Oh, they did this really well. All I can tell is whether or not they're giving the quarterback time enough to throw the ball. And they did uh, Western Kentucky only had, if I look over here, a single sack and they were making holes. Like I, if I can see the holes and a football idiot like me can notice the holes on running plays, like that seems good. So I, I, I know that we have concerns about the offensive line, especially on the left side with Josh Simmons. That's not going away because of one good game. Those are going to continue to be there, especially when you start to play teams with excellent defensive lines, including Notre Dame. But then you've also got Penn State. You've got you know Michigan at the end of the season. I would have said Wisconsin, but they'd have not looked good the last couple of weeks. So that's not fixed. I don't want to say like the defense or the offensive line is, is fixed, but listening to Justin Fry talk at the player media availability and, and coach media availability on Wednesday night, like he said, like they know that there's been issues, but they are issues that are correctable. First game was communication. They've worked on communication. The, the, those communication problems didn't really see him in week two. There were assignment issues uh, in week two against Youngstown State. He said they, they'd, they'd had those cleaned up. And he said they were really playing well to the point where what he needed next was that violence. And that seemed like that was the mantra for the entire week. Ryan Day said it in the post-game press conference. You know, I don't know how you want to define violence on a football field, but it looked, Gene, like they were doing the things that they needed to do. They were getting push in the run game. They were keeping guys at bay on in pass pro. So, again, not fixed. It's going to be a problem probably against better teams, but a lot of things are going to be problems against better teams because they're better teams. That's the point of having, you know, of playing good competition. But I thought like even the biggest weakness on the team, which is the the offensive line, was pretty darn good today. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, this isn't a, you know, a world beating Western Kentucky defense. This is a team that, you know, if there is a strong suit on this Western Kentucky defense, it was a secondary more so than the front. So, you know, maybe some of those issues we saw early on will crop up again against what I expect to be a better uh, Notre Dame defensive line than what we saw this week. Um, but nonetheless, I thought, you know, whereas there were some glaring weaknesses last week or even the first two weeks on the offensive line, some specific guys that weren't maybe getting the job done, I didn't notice any of that this week. And maybe, you know, I'm obviously going to have to rewatch and, and check out some individual guys. But, you know, there weren't any, you know, I don't remember a single play where it was just like, oh, this, you know, offensive lineman X really just blew it right there. You know, there were a couple of, you know, other guys who made some misses. There was, you know, holding on, on I think, Omeka Ibuka. Cade Stover continues to to not really seem to have any idea how to block anybody. Um, but off, offensive line wise, I, I thought that all those guys played really well. You know, you look at only only two tackles for loss for Western Kentucky on the day for a total of four yards. You'll take that um, any given day. So, you know, mostly positive yardage on any given play for Ohio State here. Um, 
And I think, you know, overall, this is this is a team that I think is going to be, you know, a bit of a slow build across the board. You know, you don't have much more time with with Notre Dame up, up next week, but then you have a couple more uh, games that you, you should probably win pretty easily. So I, I think this team is going to continue to get better. This is kind of how offensive lines tend to work, especially when you have multiple new stars. It takes these guys some time to gel. You know, each guy is able to learn, you know, the guy next to him, how, you know, his strengths and weaknesses. So um, I, I think it's all good. You know, that, like I said, I don't want to, you know, overcorrect too far in the other direction, but I think it's, if we weren't seeing, you know, things cleaned up, it would be an issue, but we are seeing, you know, even if it is against a team that we don't expect to be dominant by any means on defense, I think seeing improvement week over week is definitely a good thing better than, you know, the alternative. All right. We, we won't stick too long on this uh, because it was a great win. Everything's happy, but what was the thing that maybe you think you learned the most today from this game on either side of the ball, players coaches game plan whatever what's the thing you think you learned about this team today that you didn't know going in yeah i i think that you know coming out of this game i think that ohio state's secondary is legit i think that you know they had they didn't have a ton thrown their way over the first two weeks with the offenses they've played but this is you know a very very good passing offense this is one of the best if not the best last two years in the country and they did a a fantastic job denzel burke looked every bit like his all-american fresh all all yeah, freshman All-American self, if not better. He was dominant in this game. Jordan Hancock made some nice plays. He had some miscues, but also made some nice plays in the slot. Davidson's <laughs> bonus looked physical. You had, you know, guys running sideline to sideline. I thought, you know, for his faults, Josh Proctor looked good. Um, not a ton of really rotation back there. We didn't see, you know, much of the, of the other guys besides from, you know, Ransom, Proctor, and, and a little bit of Sonny Styles. But across the board, I thought the secondary looked really good. And to to hold this Western Kentucky offense to 10 points um, is, I, I, I think, super impressive because while they may not be you know, as talented top to bottom as some of the other teams Ohio State will play this year, I don't think it's a stretch to say that this is the, you know, far and away the best passing attack that Ohio State will play all season. I think, you know, not maybe not by talent composite, but by the way they play and the amount of points they put up, this is a really, you know, legitimately good test. This isn't just putting up good numbers against a bad team. This was a good test for the secondary and they passed it with flying colors. Yeah. And I think I'll go on the other side uh, of the ball. I think that if we can see this type of game plan from the offense, I think that they have proven that they can legitimately maximize the offensive firepower that they have on this team. I wasn't sure because in the first two weeks, it was like they would focus on a couple guys and then everyone else would have to wait and suffer, whether it was, you know, Trey and Chip and the running game in the first uh, game or Marv in the second game. They were able to show that they could get that balance. And I will tell you, Ryan Day has talked a lot about how many plays they're, they're getting with these new clock rules. Do you, you probably have the stats up in front of you, but do you know how many snaps they got today? Um, I don't see yes. specific yes. snaps, but uh, I don't know. What, what, what were they compared in their first couple of games? Do you know that? They were, they were in the low 60s. Okay, so I'd say they probably got like 68 today, but they maximized it better. They had they had 27 passes and 33 rushes. So they had exactly 60 snaps. Mm-hmm. So you and, and I think a lot of people have talked about the fact that I don't think that the uh, yes, the new clock rules meant that there were going to be fewer plays. But the issue to me was not the fact that there were fewer plays. The fact was that Ohio State wasn't scoring in two, three, four, five play drives like they had been in previous years. And they did that today. And obviously they got a defensive touchdown and uh, two defensive touchdowns. And that obviously helps the score. But, and it yeah, also I mean, takes uh, away plays. But yeah, the clock changes things a bit. Like with their obviously Ohio State only think I had two possessions in the first quarter, if I remember correctly, maybe a third, but I think it was two. Um, but 
you know, when you get off the field on third down as a defense and you stay on the field on third down as an offense, that's really what plays the most into it, more so than the clock rule. So for all of his complaining about the clock, you know, holding Western Kentucky to three of 16 on third down and then going five of 10, and, you know, some of those were late with the backups in, so it was even better than that with the starters. That's really what plays more into being able to score 63 points and, you know, defensive touchdowns help. But getting off the field on third down on defense and staying on the field on third down on offense is is more so a play than the, the clock rules. Yeah, so I, I was just pleased with the way that they were able to maximize everybody on the roster rather than just kind of singling in on one guy and thinking, okay, well, we've got this, this limited number of plays, so we have to force this or we have to force that. They didn't do that. It looked very natural. It looked very, um, very, very, uh, you know, multifaceted throughout the course of the game. So was very pleased with that. And, you know, my thing for a number of years has been Ryan Day play calling. And not that he's not great at it. I think he's actually – potentially the best offensive play caller in the country when that's the only thing he has to worry about. And and I, I think that as a head coach, you've got a lot of other things to worry about. So it's hard for you to focus on that. Um, I, we don't really technically know if Ryan Day is calling all of the plays, half the plays, you know, we don't, we don't know. They don't tell us that thing, or those things. But so whoever called this, whether it was Ryan Day or Brian Hartline or so, some combination of the two, being able to do things like this today where they were taking advantage of what the Western Kentucky defense was giving them, but also maximizing the strengths of your quarterback in his first start as like the starter, um, I think was really good. And if they can continue to do that, I, I think that there is a lot of room for growth for this offense. Is it going to be the same offense as with under, uh, as underneath some of the, the previous quarterbacks? No, probably not. But you've still got some really, really great weapons who can kind of take you to places that most other teams can't get. Yeah, it looked like Ohio State just called like a normal football game that a good team should call. You know, they didn't try to reinvent the wheel on third down or, you know, on, on longer, you know, sets of downs. They they threw the ball to their good players, let them make plays. They ran the ball effectively. They didn't get predictable on offense. They ran some nice play action plays. They did a little bit of everything. And, you know, when you get the ball to your best players, good things happen. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. streaking wide open down, down the field, even with two guys supposedly on him, even though they were nowhere near him. You know, doing stuff like that, like it, it helps. So. Instead of, you know, running a pitch play on third and short to the boundary, you know, just running up the middle or getting it on a quick pass to Mecca Guka, those things really play into, you know, that's a big factor in the game. Getting an extra set of downs versus punting is is a potential seven point swing. So I think just calling a normal football game is is certainly helpful when you have the talent that Ohio State has. And now hopefully we don't see, you know, back to Ryan Day's more conservative nature against a good team next week against Notre Dame. I, you know, I'm, I'm praying that we don't see more of that, but you know, if Ohio State just plays within themselves and, and uses all these weapons, like you say, that they have, I, I think that this is the type of performance that you could expect from this team throughout the season. Yeah, I uh, was very pleased with everything that we saw. So, Gene, as we said, you don't do much podcasting these days, so I am, have to take advantage of this time while I have you here. Um, Justin and I will do a, an official pre-game preview show that will come out on Friday. Know the reason why podcast, but you're here. And I can't let you get away without giving me some sort of prediction for the Notre Dame game. Yeah, I mean, that that's fair. Um, I, you know, Notre Dame has obviously looked on paper. They've looked pretty good over these over the past couple of weeks that they have. They played that week zero again, big zero game against Navy, put up a lot of points against a bad Navy team. They were in what was a close game against NC State until the fourth quarter when NC State turned the ball over like three straight times and gave them three short fields and made it look a lot worse than it was. I'm pretty sure in this game, they were only uh, today's game. They were only up seven on Western, uh, Western or central Michigan at half. One of the, one of the directional Michigans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this Notre Dame team is good. I think they're a better team than they were last year. Um, especially with obviously Sam Hartman rather than, uh, 
who was it last year? Buckner, whoever it was, you know, current Alabama quarterback. Yeah. It was. Uh, the guy who's now starting yeah. for uh, for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, yeah, but nonetheless, in, uh, you know, improvement at, at quarterback. I'd say, you know, maybe a downtrodden and running back without Kyron Williams, but nonetheless, um, I, I think this is a solid Notre Dame team. I do think they're you know much better up front on the offensive line than the first three teams Ohio State has played, and we've seen you know how the lack of a pass rush there. So if you give Sam Hartman a lot of time to throw, he can hurt you. I do still think that. You know, if if Ohio State plays within their means, like I said, and they call a game like they called it today and they don't, you know, play scared and run some weird screens and, you know, these halfback tosses to the boundary. Um, I do think it's still a game that Ohio State should win even on the road. This is, you know, it's a there's not a ton of really experience on this team when you really think about it in terms of, you know, maybe in the defensive secondary, there's some guys that have played but not at this level. Um, there's the, the front's not really, you know, this type of road game is really a new thing for a lot of these Ohio state players. So it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of those guys play, but I do still think at the end of the day, this is a game that Ohio state should win. This is a team that hasn't lost to Notre Dame in something like what, 80 years, um, different Notre Dame, different Ohio state, but nonetheless, I would, if I had to venture a guess here and put a, a score on it as of right now, coming off of this game on Saturday, I'd give it like a, you know, a 38, 24 Ohio state victory. Okay. I would certainly take that. One quick question. Is Sam Hartman the best quarterback that Ohio State's going to play this year? I'm not particularly of the thought that Sam Hartman is, is the best quarterback in the world. Um, in terms of who they'll play, I mean, Austin Reed's pretty darn good. Uh, he might, you know, he's up there. I don't know if, you know, obviously talent ac- across from him in Conference USA, maybe not as good as what Sam Hartman saw in the ACC and now, you know, as an independent. But um, I guess maybe... I'm just trying to think like, uh, I mean, Drew Aller looks pretty darn good too. I think, you know, if Drew Aller is yeah. the truth, we don't really know a ton. We haven't seen him a ton, but if he is what he's looked like so far, I think that he might be up there. Obviously, we know, you know, JJ McCarthy is, is what he is. Um, so there's, I th- yeah, to, yeah. Tell, tell you, talk about low is also good. I think a lot of these guys are kind of in the same ballpark. It's not like Ohio state, you know, unless they make the playoff is going to play like a Michael Penix or a Caleb Williams. I think that would be a step up from what they've seen. But other than that, Terrifying. I think a lot of these guys are in, you know, a similar tier of quarterback. Okay, fair enough. I said I said he's the best quarterback that they're going to face last week on a pod, but that was more to do with like Drew Aller. We'd only seen in two games, and he, he's a first-time starter. He's coming to Columbus in his first real big, huge road game. So I like I gave Sam Hartman the benefit of the doubt because of his experience. JJ McCarthy, I think, is a very good quarterback at Michigan, but I don't think he is. He's not going to be the difference as to why Michigan has a great season. And then uh, Iloa for Maryland pretty good i don't know that he has enough weapons to actually be able to say that he's like a next step guy so like i think hartman despite not being necessarily great might be the best so we'll we'll have to wait and see but uh very much more looking forward to that game now than i was what uh four and a half hours ago where i was still a little bit nervous about what this high state team would look like but they seem to figure some stuff out today gene and could not have come at a better time. I think this was a perfect team for them to play the week before playing Notre Dame. It let them figure a lot of things out on both sides of the ball, and I think they did that. So any parting shots, any final thoughts that you have before we wrap this one up? Yeah, sure. I just wanted, before we get out of here, I wanted to give a nice you know shout-out to the freshmen that made some impacts in this game late in the game. We saw Carnell Tate's first career touchdown at Ohio State and, and Devin Brown's first career passing touchdown, even though he's not a freshman. But you know, Carnell Tate's first touchdown as a freshman, Jermaine Matthews' pick six as a freshman. Um, so a couple guys that, you know, playing some of their first snaps at Ohio State, making a real impact in the final score. Um, nice to see those guys get in. Nice to see Ryan Day, you know, handle, I think, the starters versus backups better than he has in the past. Finally, I think, finally. I think, I think, yeah, I think maybe in the past we would have seen Kyle McCord play into the fourth quarter, and he didn't do that today. 
um, especially important when you're playing Notre Dame next week. You cannot afford injuries to key starters. So um, while I'm not, you know, I'm not one to, you know, give a hat tip to Ryan Day at any given moment, but I thought that his, you know, but the, the play calling was better. And I thought that his handling of, you know, putting in the backups and the time he did that was much better. And it was good to see, you know, some of those first year guys make an impact that I'm sure we're going to see over the years, you know, making in big roles sometime soon. Yeah, I um, I feel like he's been specifically reading your and my articles and columns, uh, telling him exactly what to do. And he finally took it to heart. I will expect my portion of his nine million dollar salary in Bitcoin. So I will uh, get him my wallet information there or your Ethereum. Is that a thing? Is that a crypto thing? I'll take it in that, too. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's a thing. You know, yeah. If, if Ohio State wins next week, then everything I said to Ryan Day was very helpful and it was great. And if we lose, then it's all on him. And I had no impact on it. Exactly. 100%. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening along to our post-game recap show. And if you watched us on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, we appreciate you following along live. Um, if you want to follow LandGrantHolyLand.com, you can do so on Facebook, also on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can follow me at Matt on pretty much all social media platforms. Gene, what about you? Yeah, you could follow me on Twitter, aka X, whatever you want to call it these days, at Gene underscore 23. Um, and, and that's about it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it was fun to, to hop back on here. It's been a little bit since my last podcast, but a, a good game to get back on into the juice. It's nice that I didn't have to come on here and, and complain for a half hour. Um, nice to have a lot of positivity coming out of this game. And now we look forward to, you know, the, the big one that's been circled on the calendar for, for a year now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.